Hello, and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of human ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of Spiderworks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally, and I'm the curator of Say Hi to the Future. My guest for today is the incredible Elle McGregor, the CEO of Fielding Environmental, a clean tech company that specializes in chemical and refrigerant recovery to produce high quality recycled chemicals. Ellen is a champion of innovation and believes that Canada can and should be the world's leader in resource recovery. She's a vocal advocate for changes in legislation that will enable the growth of the Canadian clean tech industry. Ellen was profiled in the book, Extraordinary Lives, Inspiring Women of Peel, written to pay tribute to the women who've made outstanding contributions to our community over the past 200 years. She is also a recipient of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Award and has won several awards for leadership in environmental excellence, including the Clean 16 Award, which is bestowed on people who have made a significant contribution to the sustainability in Canada. I wanted to bring Ellen onto the podcast to speak about her work in the idea of the circular economy, a sustainable economic model that prioritizes regenerative resources and reducing waste. During our chat, we talked about contributions that can be made at all levels, ourselves as individuals, those of us who lead in business or industry, and of course, our work with governments of all levels because we're talking about something that is near and dear to everybody, the future of our planet. So thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Ellen, welcome to the show this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Ellen, before we dive in, I've heard you referred to, your family referred to as the first family of clean tech in Canada. <laughs> well, talk a little about that? Yeah, I'm not sure if we were the first, but we were certainly the first Canadian company to take waste solvents and recycle them, to put them back into the marketplace. And, you know, I, I like to use so that people can easily relate the, a, a dry cleaner as a model. Okay. We, we take chemicals and we clean them up and we give them back to people. Um, so we were the first in Canada to do that. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> okay. And how does something like that start? I mean, especially, I mean, it's, it's many years ago now. So that's, that's quite a bit of insight for the time. And Good question. I, my dad, uh, he served in the Navy and he learned the power of steam. He was raised during the Depression and he learned the, the need to give everything as much life as you can because they didn't have the money to go out and buy new. And you couple an entrepreneur coupled with this experience in the Navy and this background of being raised in the depression. And you've got someone who looked at the practices in the chemical industry as horrific. And he said, we have to do something about this, right? We have to do something different. And he did, did some research and found that in the United States, there had been a couple companies started that were doing this. And he convinced his boss to let him start a new business uh, down on Villiers Street in Toronto, way before there was a Ministry of the Environment, Ken, <laughs> way, be- way before Hazel McCallion took office, uh, dad was doing his thing. And um, 
I'm proud to be second generation owner and I've got third generation in the business. Uh, it's family owned. That's incredible. I mean, you're obviously doing some amazing things and you, you know, what's incredible too, with what you said is um, it, it was, it was a survival instinct, a survival instinct in the sense that um, it, it wasn't just practical. It was something that we needed to do 50, 60 years ago, reuse things, whether it's clothing, whether it's other articles of our life, um, because like you, my, not my father, but on my mother's side, immigrants to the country. And it, it, there comes a time where you have to figure out how to sustain as an individual or as a family. And your father just took it to a completely, you know, an incredible level looking at, you know, how do we take society uh, forward? He did it at a commercial level. And, and the cool thing, what you just said is, you know, because he was raised in the depression, it was a burning platform for him to, for his entire family to reuse. The world is in a burning platform. We are using way too many resources to make stuff. And I bet in your world, you've heard people say, you know what, this was so cheap. I can afford to replace it every three or four years. I'll just throw it out. How many times have we heard that? Because we, unlike my father, were raised in a consuming and uh, yeah. economy where it's linear, it's made, it's used, and it's disposed of. Mm-hmm. And the burning platform now is that there are so many people in our world and there are so many needs that if we don't start reducing our tax on non-renewable resources, we're going to kill our world. That's a fact. It's just a fact. We're going to run out of mm-hmm. uh, our, our natural resources. So we need to get, not only do we need to be more clever about giving new life to anything, we need to make money at it because capitalism isn't going to go away. And when I hear people say, well, is a circular economy, is that a different word for capitalism? No, no. <laughs> it will rely on capitalism to actually flourish. So what, what is it then? And it's a new word for survival, it sounds like, for ourselves, for our future generation. It is a new word for survival. I love that. Okay. But it's also, you know, also can it, it uh, a topic that's near and dear to your heart this will drive innovation. When you think that the world could be anything we have, anything, your computer, your refrigerator. Do you know where refrigerators go? They, they go to a depot and the, the metal is extracted and the rest just goes to landfill. But it's full of resources that could be reused. Mm. We need to think this way. And we need to think about not only resources being recycled, but when we're designing product, that we design it to be recycled. When we're designing product, we make it using recycled product. So a circular economy is all about just the way nature does. A bug gets created, a bug has a life, a bug dies, a bug becomes dust and is also cannibalized by other bugs. We need to adopt what nature does naturally and commercialize it. And that's what a circular economy is all about. So, you know, as a business owner, how do I get started? Like, how did it get started? How do we get started within our businesses? Do you have to be a Fortune 500 to afford this type of thing? Or where does it go? 
Yeah. So that's a really tall question. It's a complex question. Uh, I'm part of a panel that was established by the federal government to well, one of 16 to develop a framework of what would be required in order to really create a circular economy in Canada. And, and to your point, are there companies that are already doing it? HP is a huge company. They're doing it. Fielding is a small company and we're doing it and we're making money. Is it possible? Yes. But is it possible at a national level without the right policy? Without, and I don't mean policy just at the federal level. I mean policies that are harmonized across Canada. Is it, it, it needs to be enabled through uh, ensuring we've got the transportation collection of material. The biggest threat to any recycler is the supply of goods. So that means we have to have regulation that ensures that materials that are available for recycling don't go to disposal somewhere else. Because how can you compete financially with some assets that have already been paid for? And landfills and deep wells, they're already paid for assets. We need to invest in innovation and we need to ensure policies and not just permitting, but tax. Our taxation policies should be tipped in favor. We should be making it less attractive to, to go to landfill and more attractive for companies to invest in uh, recycle, purchasing recycled materials, uh, ensuring that they are part of their product line and making sure that their design of new stuff is recyclable. Can this is happening in other countries. Canada better get behind this because we're missing the economic opportunities and the opportunities for our graduates right. to hold amazing jobs and drive innovation to support something that nature does. Let's do it better. Wow. <laughs> well, no, Tough thank competition. you for that. Yeah, you, you know what's, what's really cool about that, Ellen? You talk about innovation. The series is Say Hi to the Future. It's about human yeah. ingenuity. And you're talking about um, something near and dear to me, the fact that we as, as human beings have a role to play. Um, this whole series came out when I was talking about artificial versus human intelligence and, and for a doctoral dissertation. And everyone is saying, we're gonna become obsolete as human beings. And I just, I wouldn't buy into that. And it seems no. now that you're saying there are a lot of things that we should be thinking about and teaching our children um, through college, university, you know, in-company programs, how do we think about a more sustainable future? Right, you're, you're absolutely right. And humans are the, are the drivers of the AI technology. It's not as if they're operating without our input and our, and, and our re recycling of them, by the way, because they too will have to be recycled, all the robots and the sensors and everything else that we're creating. Uh, but, you know, our, our, the future um, students, they're being schooled in different ways than we were. They're already of the mindset that we need to get circular uh, in terms of an economy within our uh, overarching economy. Um, they're the ones that are wagging their finger at us and saying, hey, are you recycling that? Um, and they're going to be our, you know, they're going to be our future innovators and inventors yeah. to, to help us address a problem that, uh, that our society has created. Yeah. It, it, you know, as a father of three millennials, when I'm listening to you talk about it, I, I'm it, millennials have gotten a pretty tough rap. Like I think every generation does for, for whatever reason, maybe we just forget how we were when we were younger, but Correct. to me, you know, things have to start with an impetus and, and to your point, millennials today, they love the sharing economy. Um, yeah. sharing of, of 
clothes with gently used or gently worn clothes, whether it's, um, you know, Uber, whether it's, you know, different ways to get around. So I'm actually pretty hopeful for the future, given how, you know, the next generation is thinking. I am so hopeful. We have more PhDs per capita than any other developed country. We've got space. We've got incredible cities. We've got uh, so we, the education, we've got a stable government. We've got all the elements to create a robust economy. We're, we're near, you know, the, the largest market, you know, outside of China, of course, in India. And, mm -hmm. and even then we're within reach. We are fielding exports to 34 countries right now. Now, just a little company like Fielding, you know, has the capacity to do it with the, with the Canadian brand. So to your point, Ken, I'm so optimistic. We just need to get a culture developed in this country that says, okay, linear economy from, uh, you know, creation to grape, forget it. We want a circular economy. You know, if, if we create that vision, everything else will start to fall, tumble down, policy, regulations, uh, segregation, the roadways will you know, be harmonized so that we can move waste from coast to coast. And we know we can do this because we do this at Fielding. Every day we bring in waste from across country and as far south as Texas. So, so how does it ramp up then? I mean, you mentioned that other countries were ahead of us and I'm just thinking it's always better to emulate to learn. Um, which countries and how, how did they get started or what can we take from them, I guess? Great question. So the, the European countries are way ahead of us. Finland, Sweden, uh, France, ahead of us, way ahead of us. Let's take one country that I've studied a lot <laughs> and that's the Netherlands. The Netherlands mm -hmm. had a problem with their water. Their water was contaminated and their people were getting sick. And they knew that it was irresponsible practices, not just of industry, of industry and consumers that created the health issue. The burning platform was the water and the health of their citizens. And at a national level, not a provincial or state, at a national level, they raised the tipping fees on landfills at a national level. They, convert, they said, we are going to convert our incinerators into energy uh, from waste facilities. And in four years, they said, anything that can be recycled must be recycled before it goes to landfill or even an energy from waste facility. That was bold. And what did it do? It brought together three schools, one, academia, two, entrepreneurs, and three, investors. Why? Because they had certainty on the supply of materials. So bicycles became recycled, and plastics, and you name it, over there. there and, there and the ag culture, the ag sector, they were looking at completely different ways how to reuse things you know, from, that were uh, biological as opposed to man-made. And I can tell you, Ken, it created an economy and it made them the model. In fact, what they ended up doing is assigning, and I got to know him well, awesome guy, his name is Howard Huseman. He, he would go all over the world to say, here's what the Netherlands is doing. Here's a technology that we would license to you. Um, and and is, Canada, is Ontario working with the Netherlands now? Absolutely, they are. And we brought over 
uh, technologies that have been adapted to our climate and our conditions and, and they're, they're commercialized here in Canada. So that you're, you're right, we have to learn from them, we have to harvest that and we have to grow our own. And we've got some awesome companies that, that uh, are, are right here in Canada. And how did we get this more onto the national agenda? I mean, I'm sitting here and um, as you rightly said, innovation's my passion. I look at the super clusters that we have and I don't see this as a super cluster. But it, it seems yeah. to me from what you're saying is the super clusters are using small companies, large companies, academia, government. It, it seems like it would be or should be a perfect opportunity to cluster around the circular economy. And once it's on the national agenda, then it, it becomes easier for business uh, to access yeah. and implement. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and clusters is one means to offset some costs through shared infrastructure and, uh, and make it easier for supply chain management, et cetera. And that's a great idea. But it, you know, to your point, that's just one notion. On the point about whether it's on the national agenda, it is on the national agenda. Uh, it's just not clear in people's minds. And you, you, hey, I'm talking to the professor. It all begins, beca uh, begins with education. Not yet, another few years. Uh, <laughs> people have to understand what circular economy is. and. Yeah. And, and they have to buy into it. They have to, they have to recognize there's a direct correlation to protecting our plant, planet, I said plant, <laughs> I'm a plant girl, planet, <laughs> protection of our planet to making money. The two aren't exclusive. They are combined with the right talent, the right innovations, the right mindset, the right frameworks. But it begins with the vision and is that articulated as well as it should be by any politician? Not yet. And we need to push that. Our students need to push that. We want a circular economy. Make it so. And then the politicians will feel vote safe to do so. Yeah. So. Well, and when you, when you say that, Ellen, it, it, it's very hard to, to look back at the pandemic. Um, I mean, as anything other than it was, it's been, it's been a human tragedy on so many levels, but one of the first things that I noted after, obviously, the, the, the tragic element was how clean the air became so quickly in major yes. cities when cars were taken off the road. I mean, right. they're, they're just, there are so many indicators. Um, and going back to Holland, you, I, I actually thought you were going to go with the wind power or Germany solar. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there, there are so many incredible examples. And one, again, the, 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 the air cleanliness or cleaner air that happens so quickly uh, around the world. Wouldn't that have been enough to just, you know, push this forward at a quick rate? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the circular economy includes, so I want to be really clear here. It's not, it's not only, but it includes energy, energy sources. So we need, we need to uh, the replication of, of renewable uh, energy sources. And that's just a fact. You know, as much as, and my heart aches for those who've invested in, you know, the petro-based industry, it, it, it will always be, it, it, we still need it. I mean, consider mm -hmm. this, every, almost every chemical that's in use in the marketplace begins with a barrel of oil. So you're going right. to tell those who are relying on 
chemotherapy that we're not going to extract oil because we're not going to create that drug? I don't think so. That's not going to happen. Right. Uh, so, so I'm not saying it's all going to go away, but what we need to do is make sure that we have uh, access to many types of energy sources, not one. It, there is no one trick pony here. Uh, solar will be one. Uh, hydrogen is going to be, ha have its role at some point. I have no doubt about that. Um, and, and of course, wind, as you mentioned, and there will be other sources of energy. Uh, fielding creates a source of energy. I don't, I don't know if, you're, if you know this, Ken, but cement kilns get the best results from using coal. Hmm. Just reality. Fielding creates its own waste. And sometimes when we cannot find a technology to recycle a particular um, you know, waste generated by a company, we actually blend it to tight specs and it's used by cement kilns to offset their needs on coal and it burns cleaner. So we have to think this way. We have to think differently right. about, and that's why I love this. And to your point, you know, there's hope. We've got smart people and we've got a phenomenal country. We just need, we just need the culture now yeah. to make this happen. Well, we need the culture. We also need a bit more of the understanding. And I think it comes from culture. I mean, as yes. you're talking and you're talking about um, petroleum-based industries and, and, you know, <laughs> one of the things I, I always say to people is that innovations aren't necessarily better. They're just different. And <laughs> one thing that scares the heck out of me is, as a layperson is actually electric vehicles. I, I, I just imagine lithium-ion batteries from here to the moon. Why, why not hydrogen? I, I mean, can we recycle and re reuse the, the batteries or did yeah. we go in the wrong way? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> I am proud to sit as a director of Sustainable Development Technology Canada. And one of the uh, companies we founded, uh, funded rather, is Lifecycle. Lifecycle in Mississauga. And what do they do? <laughs> they extract all the metals from lithium batteries and they recycle them. There are so many precious metals that exist within not just lithium batteries, but all sorts of stuff, including, as I said, refrigerators. And we need to, we need to find ways to extract. They found it and they're building a huge plant. They're gonna be a unicorn. They're gonna be a Canadian source of pride, absolutely. So to your point, lithium batteries, are they gonna be part of our future? I think that they'll be part of our future until another kind of battery is, <laughs> uh, you know, is created. But what we need to do is make sure that we uh, minimize the tax on our environment as we use electric vehicles as one form. A hydrogen will be another can, but I, again, I would submit, I'm not an expert here by any means, but um, having sat for six years on STDC and seen the kind of innovations that are coming through for funding, it's not going to be one energy source that's going to address the world needs. It's going to be a complement of them. And uh, right now, lithium batteries, and of course, Ontario is investing in green infrastructure, which is going to make it easier to use um, lithium battery operated cars. Uh, and having driven a Tesla, I know that's overdue. Um, and so we'll have the right infrastructure and the right collection system and then the right recycling to put it back into the marketplace. So I think there's a future there. Ken. Well, thanks for this. And, you know, just to, to finish it off, um, again, I, I think it's something we talked about a little bit earlier, but 
leave us with something as business owners, small, mid-sized business owners that, that we can really do differently today. How do, how do we go back to our companies, um, especially those in manufacturing or, or whatnot, and, and start to make um, a change today? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think um, there's a couple ways. I think the, it begins with purchasing in a company. I'm not, it's so easy for purchasers in a company to roll over contracts or to mm -hmm. not notice there's an evergreen contract clause in a contract and just automatically rolls over. And I think we need to stop and say, how are we procuring? Are we procuring local, locally, which reduces tax mm -hmm. on the environment? Are we procuring, um, it isn't just about best price. Are we looking at a triple bottom line approach a company uh, ha, you know, lives by? Are we giving them some preferred treatment? And so I really totally believe that the lowest hanging fruit is in what are you buying right now? And are there, you know, locally, uh, local com competitions for the, for the products that you're sourcing and, and giving a weighting on, you know, and I don't think it has to be more expensive. I, I think I want to leave you with this. In order for fielding to survive, we priced ourselves 10 to 15% below virgin. That's fact. Right, and 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 we've learned how to innovate, created our own processes. We've used off-the-shelf technologies that we've adopted, adapted rather, and and we've gone to the market with a competitive offering on price. It's possible through innovation. So on a, on a at a low-hanging fruit, it's procurement, and on you know if you want to get into the recycling game, good God, let me help you do that. <laughs> I'll give you. I'm an open Absolutely. book on lessons learned. It's being active. It's it's when your when your politician comes knocking at your door, ask them, what are we doing for a circular economy? How are you standing up for our planet so that my great grandchildren have a place to live? Ask them. Well, <laughs> that is absolutely a brilliant place to leave it, uh, Ellen. And again, you know, my three children have really done a lot to educate me on on a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things that have been changing in the world. But I thank you so much for joining today talking You're about welcome. the circular economy and um, the future of our planet in some ways. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day and stay you safe. Too. Take care.